The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. In a secret lab somewhere in the Western Hemisphere, the perfect human specimen has been born. He has the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. Rick Munn. Now you listen here. He's a very naughty boy. TNT Radio. Now go away. Oh, if only I had the strength of 10 men and the wisdom of 20. In fact, I would settle for the strength of two men and the wisdom of five. You know, I would settle for that. But anyway, this is me. Love me or hate me. This is what you got, at least for the next uh, 55 minutes here, live on TNT Radio, on the Locked and Loaded Show. I am Rick Mon. Gemma Cooper will be joining me in just a minute uh, to chew the fat over some more breaking news. And then at around about 20 past the hour, I'm going to be joined. Oh, looking forward to speaking to this guy today, Trevor John. Uh, he always makes me feel good. Uh, he's a good guy and he has a good spirit about him. And uh, he's lovely to talk to and he's nice to listen to as well. So if you want to just mellow out a little bit uh, and hear us, ruminating about things that are happening in the UK at this point in time. Please stay tuned to the end of the show to hear uh, Trevor and I in conversation. So we'll have to get through this morning here, I suppose, uh, for anybody that's new to TNT Radio, uh, because we're picking up new listeners all the time. And of course, now new viewers, because we have our live streaming option. Uh, there's been a lot of expansion this year within TNT and uh, a lot of work has been going on behind the scenes to bring this uh, service to you guys out there and we really really appreciate all your input and all your feedback and of course all your participation because very very many of you uh, listen in regularly and leave your comments and opinions in the live chat send us messages send us emails send the studio emails help to promote your events through our website tntradio.live and then of course don't forget uh, the the i can't even begin to imagine how many guests we have on here over the course of a week and then if you multiply that up over the course of a year uh we talk to a lot of people here on TNT Radio, so it's fantastic. And then the people behind the scenes are making it all work from a technical point of view. So it's just good to be a part of this at this time. I'm going into 2024, uh, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see how things pan out next year, but we are ready, locked and loaded, no pun intended, to hit the ground running next year. Uh, I'm finishing next Friday. I'm gonna take a week off uh, during the Christmas week, but I will be back, I believe, on uh, New Year's Day. So if you have no other plans, and uh, you're scratching your head going, what am I going to do that morning? Never fear. Uh, Natalie and I will be working at least on New Year's Day. And I also have a, a guest lined up for my Locked and Loaded show. So uh, no time like the present, as they say, gets stuck in. First day of the new year, we will be broadcasting live. And of course, over the Christmas period as well. Uh, 400,000 allegedly is the death toll of Ukrainians who have been killed in action during the 660 days of conflict that uh, we heard about during that little news clip there. Think about that, 400,000 men have been killed there. And when you think that peace talks were actually on the table right off the bat during that Russia-Ukraine conflict or special military operation, as Vladimir Putin puts it, you have to ask yourself a question. If only those talks hadn't been scuppered by uh, NATO and the like of Boris Johnson, you think about the amount of lives that that could potentially have saved and you have people locked up in prison for whistleblowing on uh, military crimes that happen and the people that are responsible for making decisions 
that result in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of men and women and children are still walking the streets free. That is a sobering thought, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, Gemma has a great story here uh, to talk about. And actually, I want to try and compliment it a little bit, a little bit of Christmas cheer, because damn it, we really, really need that here uh, this morning, I think, on TNT Radio. I also have a story that's uh, positive and uplifting to do with some outreach work that's being done by a charity in the streets of Ireland, I think complements uh, Gemma's story as well. So if we can, we'll take a brief pause, we'll bring Gemma in and we'll throw these stories out there uh, for your amusement and enjoyment. And uh, please stay tuned. We'll be right back here on TNT Radio. Russia, gas prices, COVID mandates. It just doesn't seem like anybody's doing anything about it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, Gemma, uh, I I was doing a little uh, browsing here this morning as well, and this is a bittersweet story. Uh, It's sad, but it's also uh, very good at the same time. Uh, This is to do with Ireland. Uh, Over 3,000 people queue at the Capuchin Centre in Dublin for Christmas food vouchers. Families, including school children, began queuing just after four o'clock in the morning to get vouchers, which is which is really, really crazy. So more than 3,000 people were participating in this. The queue went down Bow Street in Dublin, round the corner to Nicholas Avenue. This, the centre opened just after 7 a.m. It provides weekly food parcels along with annual Christmas vouchers. Other people kept arriving during the morning, ensuring the queue never really uh, subsided at all. It swelled several times. So the centre provides food parcels every Wednesday from around 7.30 a.m. to anyone at all who turns up and more than 1,500 hot meals, breakfasts and lunches are also provided every weekday at that centre, except on Wednesday morning when breakfast is uh, takeaway to give uh, these food parcels time to be passed out. So it's tragic that 3,000 people in Dublin are currently availing of a service like this, but it's also great that that uh, is in existence, that facility and that centre is in existence, because when you think of the amount of hot meals that they're giving out uh, on weekdays and these food parcels every Wednesday, what would those people do uh, without an outreach work like that on the streets of Dublin? Well, quite, you know, those numbers are quite extraordinary uh, for a place like Dublin, which, you know, has a place on the global map. It's a place that's famous, you know, is famous for sort of camaraderie as well, isn't it, Dublin? And the the gathering of people in pubs and bars and music and all that kind of stuff that it's so famous for. And that community spirit is obviously alive and well. It's just such a shame that a charity has to do the welfare work of the government. That's what I think there. You know, it should be the government looking after its people who are clearly thousands in need. I mean, of those 3,000, they're the ones that could brave the cold and, and queuing on the streets. For every one that turned out, there might have been someone who was too frail, too ill or too immobile to leave the house. So, you know, it, that's the only kind of, I don't want to put a downside on that story because I do think that as human beings, especially 99% of us at the bottom of the food chain, we are compassionate creatures. We do have empathy and that's what the elite are trying to stamp out of us. And I think this story illustrates beautifully that, you know, at this time of year, it takes a, a lot to crush the human spirit. It does. There's there's another little piece of this uh, story, Gemma, something I'd never even really given any consideration to, but it says among those who collected a parcel and a ticket for Christmas vouchers uh, was an uh, an elderly woman, a pale, thin elderly woman. Uh, she arrived just after 7 a.m. And when she was asked uh, about her situation, she said that she was actually looking after two of her eight grandchildren because her daughter isn't well and can't cope with looking after eight children. So uh, a lot of uh, curs are also using this facility 
on behalf of their children looking after their grandchildren because maybe the mom or the dad can't cope or don't have the money to look after everybody. So uh, this brunt is also being borne by you know grandparents. And if they're broke or they're destitute or they're finding things difficult as well, they're out there at four o'clock in the morning now queuing to get food parcels for their grandchildren. It isn't just mothers and children or, you know, uh, couples who are, who are going hungry or even single, you know, elderly folk. Sometimes these elderly folk are actually caring for grandchildren because their kids aren't in the position to look after them either. That's pretty sad that it's it's intergenerational as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at least those people have got the support of family, though, if we can glean a positive out of that mm -hmm. one is that, you know, the family is sticking together. I mean, just to bring in a sort of personal anecdote, like me, my mum and my grandma, we lived together when I moved back to the West Country mm -hmm. at the tender age of 29, been living away mm -hmm. from home for years. And I moved in as a temporary stopgap, and it, it was a big enough house that we could all live together. Mm -hmm. um, and we and it stuck. It, it stuck until my granddad mm -hmm. aged, aged 101, and my mum, bless her, nearly five years ago now, January the fourth, um, keeled over and died. In, you know, instantly, and it was a big mm -hmm. shock. But we stuck together, despite the fact we did have each other's heads in on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. We stuck together because that's what family is about. And that, those family ties have been so broken down in so many countries. People move away for the great economic good of work. But at least in, in Dublin and in Ireland, you've got that community spirit still and, and family spirit. And that, that I think, is, is, is a bigger weapon than we actually realise. It is 100%. And that's why it is good. To, the story in and of itself, when you just look at the figures and the statistics and you realise what the people are receiving, it's sad that it's got to that point in Dublin. But at the same time, that A, there are... Uh, places like this that are willing to lend a helping hand and also, of course, family members that are providing crucial uh, support networks amongst each other. So that's a positive take that we're definitely going to take from that one. Uh, you also have a story uh, that was really salvaging something that could have been a tragedy or simply would have been something that would have been sad to see happening in Canterbury. Uh, this is to do with a uh, Christmas carol service, uh, Silent Night No More, historic Canterbury Christmas that faced the axe after 70 years over health and safety fears uh, will now go ahead after volunteers step in to rescue it. That's a, that's a, that's a win, is it? Oh, absolutely. And when we talked about this before but on Open Line and on Locked and Loaded about the cancellation of Christmas, and I know Natalie isn't a fan of Christmas, although she does talk about Christmas an awful lot. She loves it. Um, she does love it. I think I think you're right secretly. Um, but we're obviously, you know, what a week and two, three days away from the big day now. And we talked about how many Christmas markets have been cancelled in the UK over health mm -hmm. and safety, um, concerts being cancelled because people are worried about coping with crowds. And this is one of those concerts. And it was in Canterbury, massively historic place here in the UK, very esoteric. Canterbury Cathedral dates back to the 6th century. It's one of the sort of founding tenets of, of religion here in the UK, Christian religion. Um, and they have had this massive carol service every year for 70 years in Rose Square on Christmas Eve. And believe you me, Rick, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the pictures accompanying the story, but the mm -hmm. crowds are huge. They People are. clearly love coming together and singing together. There's no doubt about that. So, of course, in their wisdom, the organisers had a bit of a panic this year uh, and the Lord Mayor of Canterbury's Christmas Gift Fund, which is a charity, uh, preempted kind of what it thought the people wanted and posted on social media that because of health and safety, the whole thing was called off. Well, it misjudged the public mood <laughs> and everybody went mad and said, no, no, no. Um, and we, we knock local councils all the time uh, because they're supposed to represent the people and they very rarely do. But this local council... Is it stepped in and said, we'll support the charity. We will provide the stewards. We'll um, we'll look after the insurance. We'll look after the security. Uh, let's make this thing 
go ahead, um, mm. which is absolutely amazing. I mean, the Archbishop of Canterbury, whatever your opinions of the former oil executive, now the Archbishop mm. of Canterbury, who co- who obviously you know was the one who put the crown on King Charles's head earlier this year, mm. um, he goes uh, regularly and he will be doing an address to the crowds uh, from top of an open-top double-decker bus on Christmas Eve. Um, what struck me about this story is, is, one, it's a victory for people and also the size of those crowds there is something about people gathering and coming together, the exact thing they wanted to take away from us over the last three and a half years, four years now. Um, people are, people really do get something from it. Uh, the value of community, what we're just talking about with the Dublin story, the value of connection, especially at this time of year. Unfortunately, um, it wasn't so lucky for the residents in East London. They had a big Christmas market on Columbia Road and it's very successful. They've been in Christmas events for the last few weeks. Every Wednesday night there in East London, they had carol singing from seven till eight. Crowds were phenomenal. Again, people love coming together. They love coming together. People were filming it, putting it on TikTok. So, of course, health and safety got wind of it and said, no, no, you've got to cancel it. And that one's not coming back. So I wonder sometimes, is this a war on people gathering? You know, is it a war on people coming together and singing and expressing themselves and feeling joy? The war on joy, which we talk about quite a lot. But let's take a a win for the Canterbury crowd. Uh Their carol service will go ahead and it will be a Merry Christmas on Christmas Eve for them. It's great. And you know what I view these events as, you know, if you ever see a distance runner, you know, someone running a marathon, it's very tiring. uh, It's very hard in your body. But during the, the race, there's water stations, okay, or there's places that you can take gel to keep you hydrated, to give you a little energy boosts, to get you over the finishing line. And I think events like this, Gemma, um, let's face it, uh, life could be hard uh, sometimes, if not all the times, for people to varying degrees. You need little pockets of things that will give you a boost, maybe to get you through that day, maybe to get you through that night or get you through that week until you get to the next event that will give you a little bit of a lift. And I think events like this, do give people a little bit of a lift because if you were to walk into that or if you had been visiting Canterbury and knew nothing about it and maybe turned a corner and you heard the sound of all those people singing, you know, with the lights and all on, it would be hard not just for a minute to get refreshed somehow and then go on about your business. So I think these little uh, events or big events in this case, uh, they don't want them to continue because it would be, you know, number one, destroying an old tradition. And number two, it would be removing people's opportunity to get rejuvenated, maybe even for a night, just in the run up to Christmas. That could be what it takes to get some people through what can be a very, very difficult and lonely and sad time for very, very many people that don't celebrate Christmas or that have bad associations with it. This could be just what they need. Maybe to just give them a little boost coming up into the festive season. But of course, it is going ahead now. Uh, They didn't succeed in cancelling it. So yeah, uh, I'm really glad you brought that one up uh, this morning. So thanks very much for doing that. Uh, That's a good way to end this, I believe, on this week. Gemma, thanks very much for all your input, of course, and for standing in for Nat earlier on in the week. You're an absolute star. Hopefully, uh, we'll hook up again on Monday morning, nice and early, 9 a.m., although you're on from, I think, 6 with Dean Mackin. And then you're, of course, on after uh, these sessions with us and Natalie and me uh, with uh, James Freeman. So thanks very much for all the work that you do. We'll be back after this short break with Trevor John. So please don't go away. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 
49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former national security advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malzberg on TNT Radio. I'm Cal Fire Battalion Chief Isaac Sanchez. And normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires. But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, follow us on social media or visit fire.ca.gov. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, let's get it done. I'm hoping to round off the week here just uh, nice and chilled with my old chum, Trevor John. He's beaming in from the UK. I'm, of course, based in Ireland and our main headquarters are on the Gold Coast in Australia. But no matter who you are, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, of course, whatever you're doing, we hope it's nice. Please stay tuned for the last few, uh, 40, 48 minutes, yeah. 38 minutes, 38 minutes, damn it, of uh, Locked and Loaded here today. Trevor, welcome back to TNT. Taj, you're looking uh, as dapper and chipper and happy and smiley <laughs> as ever. What is your secret? Please don't tell me it's drugs. No, no, I've still got my bed head. Just not, <laughs> not bothering. I just get up and I'm. what you see is what you get with me. Well, you know what? That's my secret too. <laughs> Mind you, my favorite <laughs> of yours. I've realized that too. I, uh, I do wash and, you know, shower before I go to, uh, on. Oh, but good, to be honest, good. it doesn't make any difference at all. I still have that sort of rough hobo look about me. And I'm unashamed about it. This is me. Love me or leave me. Take me or leave me. Uh, listen, welcome back. Yeah. This is our last session uh, of the year. Thank you so much, by the way, for all your input this year and last year as well. You've been coming on uh, TNT now for uh, nearly two years years it'll be two years next february and uh yeah. we always have some things to talk about i've got some stuff today uh that i've highlighted uh this is a story in particular to get us kicked off here a little bit sad uh to be honest with you and something we have talked about before which is chopping down of trees i remember you uh, told the story uh, not so long ago about an avenue of horse chestnut trees near you that was locked down and it caused a lot of sadness and a lot of grief in the community we covered a story about uh, armada way in plymouth not so long ago earlier on this year as well the council came in and locked down trees there was another one came up this morning trevor 
get your thoughts and opinions on this one. Uh, this is Torquay, uh, has uh, fallen victim to these uh, palm tree vandals here. So the felling of Torquay's famous palm trees is an act of pure vandalism, says residents. So cutting down dozens of trees on the seafront of English Riviera in Devon provokes a public outcry. And of course, uh, 40 of these iconic palm trees have been cut down. The council said it's to tidy the place up, uh, tidy their gardens up a little bit, uh, but it has provoked a public outcry and said this council has wrought a soul-destroying, total destruction mm of the seafront now that sounds a little bit uh extreme in language but in reality it does hit you a little bit in the soul does it not when you see acts like this carried out especially when you think it's probably going to be replaced by concrete or a bus lane or a bicycle rack uh what's your views on this one no it literally is i mean it, it, it there's lots of reasons why they might do it but i think soul destroying is a good uh mm -hmm. description of it i mean it's part trolling it's part just making people feel under attack. Um, you know, when they cut them down here, the chestnut trees, that's people's history, you know, taking your kids to school uh, through them. But they also, uh, they, 5G doesn't like uh, trees, does it? It absorbs no. the signal, so it's partly that. I mean, we, we were blaming the Tories because there's a Tory council, but then Sheffield was a Labour council, they did it. I don't know what the council is in Torquay, but it really doesn't matter anymore, does it? Mm -hmm. They're all just two cheeks of the same ass. That's correct. So that's correct. Yeah, no, they are. Their their idea is to destroy people's souls. That's that's their whole game, isn't it? So and yeah, it, that's it what is we've an got. Attack. It's an indirect. I suppose you would say it's an attack by proxy on people's uh, minds and psyches and their souls uh, whenever exactly. the environment is destroyed. Because, listen, I'm not what you would call a greenie <coughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but I love and appreciate uh, nature. I'm fortunate. I can look out my window even as I'm sitting here uh, today if I want to, and I can see a park. I can see trees. I live not too far from the coast. There's nothing more refreshing to my body, mind, and spirit than going and spending time just looking out at the waves and listening to them crashing against uh, you know the seawalls or lapping up on the beach it, there's something about that that's powerful and if that's taken away it affects you uh, negatively and the story behind this one is basically uh, the, 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 this was done without any consultation these trees were planted in 1924 so we're we're talking wow. about roughly 100 years ago, these trees have been growing up there. Dozens were chopped down to their stumps without any consultation or without any notice as Torbay Council, and listen to this, it's part of their restoration of the gardens ahead of the 100th anniversary next year. So they restored the garden that they planted 100 years ago on the 100th anniversary by lopping down uh, 40 trees down to their stumps, uh, which is again, is that not just another reminder that they used to be there, the fact that they're leaving the stumps in place not even removing the stumps too is that not to add a little uh, salt into the wound yeah um tom waits uh, used to say uh whenever they destroy a thing of natural beauty they always name the carbuncle after the thing they destroyed mm. they're probably going to they're probably going to call it palm tree gardens or something Oh, I mean, who, who, you've got to ask who gave permission to do this because it, it's not, none of this stuff's coming locally, is it? It's all coming from above. Yeah, I think so. so. I think so because we're seeing this more often now. And there's that old saying, you know, that one, it's 
it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Of course, there was no consultation about this. They just plowed ahead and did it probably under cover of darkness like they did in Plymouth last year. And Darren, uh, you probably know Darren Denslow. He's one of our presenters here and a good friend yeah. of mine. It really, really affected him very, very badly because he loves Plymouth. Uh, he's a Jenner uh, by, by in heart and in name. You know, he's a proud Plymouthian. And it really devastated him when he went for his morning walk one morning and literally saw these iron fences around and these huge lumber trucks there. And over the course of a the night, they had felled so many trees right down in the center of uh, Plymouth and our, our site. Uh, yeah, Plymouth in Armada Way. And one of the reasons was you alluded to it, uh, it interferes with 5G transmissions and they want that to be nice and slick for the Plymouthians and probably we'll see the same thing here for the people of uh, Turkey. But sad, uh, sad but true. This is what's happening at the minute. Got to take a quick uh, news break right now. I think we'll take it now, Trevor, and then a few other things to discuss when we come back. So please stay tuned for more here on TNT Radio. Check this out. Now, TNT Radio News. Can you say News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. The White House has confirmed President Biden was well aware of his son Hunter's plan to ignore this week's congressional subpoena. Donald Trump has accused President Biden of riding on the coattails of his success in the White House. We're now being told that we as humans are worsening the impacts of climate change simply by breathing. And as the war in Ukraine enters its 660th day, Russia claims to have thwarted yet another drone strike on Moscow. Globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Okay, uh, welcome back. Let's get straight back into it again. Uh, Trevor, uh, our mutual friend, um, Mad Mick Chaves, or Big Mick as he's affectionately known, uh, he was on a, a live space yesterday with our very own Darren Denslow. He is trying to uh, ascend the ranks uh, to make it to the Christmas number one spot again this year, as he does, God bless him. Uh, he works very closely with Martin Noakes, who's a fantastic yeah. musician uh, and songwriter. They have a new song out. It's called Vaxi Taxi, V-A-X-I. T-A-X-I, and this is coming off the back of uh, the COVID inquiry uh, that's going on at the minute and this ongoing onslaught that we have against the elderly to get needles into their arms. Uh, you and I know Mick, uh, you've met him, you've uh, performed with him as well at some uh, concerts around the UK over yeah. the course of time. Uh, he's doing a great work and he's using this medium of music to try and get the message across another effective way to get your point across if you're not really a talker you can certainly make a song and get it out there, which is what he and uh, you are also very proficient at doing. Yeah, Mick is uh, really channeling his inner Ian Dury at the moment. Huh? He's uh, Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, more power to his pink T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, that's a very catchy song. Yeah, good luck to him. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he had his, like, first gig recently with the with the band because he's been playing with victorious sure. and doing a great job and he he doesn't actually give himself credit because he he's always running himself down but he's actually a, a, a fantastic performer 
And I, I'm looking forward to seeing him grow with confidence every time he does it. And he's got a good yeah. bunch of musicians around him as well. So, yeah, he that's going to be uh, when good he, to watch. When he come- when he comes on, um, when he comes on to do uh, TNT, uh, he always goes around to Martin's house. Martin has a great uh, home studio set up there, um, so uh, I always get to meet Martin or say hello to him anyway there too. So yeah. part of them have been working, uh, releasing songs over the over the last couple of years at least. Anyway, and just I suppose it's a little bit of a shout out and a promotion to them. Uh, if you go to Mix website, which is Mad Mix Conspiracies, and that's M I X mad m-i-x mad mix conspiracies.co.uk you can download it there and i believe all the proceeds to any sales of that go towards the school that he's involved with which is the hope school uh in mm. sussex um have you ever been down to the hope school uh trevor or do you know anything about it i've i played at their festival they have a festival and they've got another one coming up i think um in i'm not sure if that's the august or june hang on i've got it here um but yeah they they run a brilliant festival um the freedom festival it's called i think their ones in in uh uh i know their ones the 23rd to the 26th of august they're doing a festival down there so yeah, uh so yeah fantastic bunch of people yeah i'm going to take a, a some of my local crew down there and have a look at what they're doing and we're going to swap some notes because we've got you know polytunnels and we're growing and keeping bees up here so we're going to swap a few notes with them you know, that's an important part of uh, what we do as well as networking. Obviously, I'm I'm over now. Yeah. It's not just as easy for me to connect up with uh, groups like the ones that you're talking about there, although there are some groups that I'm in contact with here uh, in Northern Ireland. But uh, the Hope School as well in Sussex, that's an alternative, obviously, to mainstream education uh, it's a place where parents and you can't just appear at it you know you have to be vetted you have to apply to get in there and then of course uh, they have a curriculum that they follow but how important is is it because you have some uh, background as well in education how important is it to have alternatives to the indoctrination centers or the normal schools that are you know infesting the country at the minute pumping out and uh, nonsense in the kids heads how important is it a to have a place like hope that parents can take their kids to as an alternative and b how important it is for more places like that to spring up over the next few years uh, rather than them being just like an isolated uh, pocket of uh, resistance that people can go to to stop their kids getting brainwashed yeah no it's really important i mean i work in a in a school and i do my best to you know, help the kids be creative. And uh-huh. I mean, I just do one day a week and um, I see how bad it is. You know, when I get some seven year olds moaning that they're uh, most of their friends are lesbians uh-huh. um, and I'm going, no, they're not. They're children. They shouldn't even be having those kind of thoughts. And the hope, you know, an example of how important uh, the hope homeschooling thing is, is that they've been highlighted and attacked in the mainstream media so that that to me that's a feather in their cap that shows that they are important otherwise they would ignore them if if you're being attacked it's a sign you're doing something right and they they definitely are 100 percent uh what is it they say the flex always the heaviest when you're right over the target and i like hope aren't doing anybody any harm it's a it's a it's a it's a legitimate the opposite uh, uh, quite the opposite. They're doing people a lot of good. And if you compare and contrast that, I've got another uh, thing that I saw yesterday that I highlighted that uh, Rishi Sunak had uh, acting like he actually gives a damn about children's education in the UK. <laughs> he he put a post up here uh, just yesterday to say that in 2009, 
Uh, England was ranked 27th in the world for mathematics, uh, as in performance in schools. Uh, today, we are ranked 11th. So we're only the 11th highest country in the world in terms of mathematical achievement. And then his aim is that uh, in the coming year, 2024, uh, we have taken a long-term decision to improve education for the next generation. That's what our new advanced British standard is all about. So this guy, when he think, when you think, Trevor, of the uh, mental health crisis that's currently uh, happening amongst the nation's teenagers as a direct fallout of the lockdowns that happened and the, you know, the fear porn that was pumped into everybody's heads between 2020 and even up to this point in time of 2023. You look at the amount of absenteeism from schools, uh, kids that just simply refuse to go back to schools again, the amount of damage that's been done uh, to kids' mental health. For Sunak to come out with the statement that he wants an advanced standard and he wants to elevate our children's mathematical abilities, with all due respect to mathematicians out there and people that love maths, I would have said that's pretty far down my list of priorities if I had a nation full of kids that were self-harming and feeling suicidal and simply didn't know what to do anymore. Is this focus, do you think, directed in the right place? Of course not. I mean, it's just trolling. I mean, maths, maths is a beautiful thing. The whole of our existence mm -hmm. is based on numbers and the Fibonacci mm -hmm. sequence and the golden section. It's part of divinity. But they don't even teach that in the right way. They teach it in some boring... Um, it's it's all about the material and they want to make everyone into accountants. He's he's just trolling, really. How how these people can come out pretending they care about children is is... Well, it would be hilarious if it wasn't so tragic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the little rolling rat-eared guy. I, I, yeah, he's, he's beyond a, words, isn't he? He's a little rodent for sure. And, uh, you know, if Roland Rat's listening in, uh, which sometimes yeah. he does, apologies to Roland Rat for likening <laughs> to you. If yeah. Roland Rat's listening, I'm sure he'll be very offended at the minute. But, yeah, Rishi, I, I don't know if you saw him this week or not, but he was in a school. Uh, he was visiting a school as a PR oh. uh, stunt that were primary school children. And anywhere I've seen Rishi Sunak, um, uh, Trevor, anywhere that I've seen him in public, you know, volunteering at a soup kitchen or going and doing a walkabout in his constituency or visiting primary school children. He looks so awkward and so fake and so faux yeah. in the stuff that yeah. he comes out with. I mean, he didn't even know how to answer some of the kids' questions that were put to him. You could see him floundering when a five-year-old was asking him questions and he was, you know, yeah. shuffling and moving around. I think the only place I've ever seen him uh, comfortable is amongst bankers and amongst globalists. Yeah. He seems to be in his element there, like an eel, you know, swimming through the ooze. But when you take him out of that environment, he seems to flounder. He's a real wretched excuse of a of a prime minister. These That's people the have no humanity. Yeah, and it's so obvious, especially when you see them amongst people that do. I mean, him, Piers Moron, Doctor <laughs> Shill, um, who's the other Vine. They're Oreo. like the Lord, they're the Lord whore-whores of this war, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They're they're the people trolling their own population. Yeah, they they've all got something coming to them, all those people. 
They do, yeah. they do. And you know what? Uh, you know, they can run, but they can't hide because it will catch yeah. up with them uh, eventually. Uh, I mentioned, I tried to provoke you there by dropping uh, Bonio Bono's name into the equation there, but I think you missed it. <laughs> oh, did you? You were, you were pretending to miss it. Well, okay, but I won't, I won't yeah. go down that road. But what I will say is um, uh, recently there we had the death of uh, Shane McGowan, and this is just another thing yeah. that came to mind now. Uh, he was uh, famous uh, as the singer of the Pogues and so on and so forth. Very of New York. Did you see the funeral they had for him? It's caused an absolute furore in Ireland because they got a band into the, the chapel during the Irish, uh, I think it was a, a, a funeral mass that they held in a Roman Catholic church, but they had a band in and they did a, bl a blasting version of Fairy Tale of New York, complete with uh, scumbag, maggot, cheap, lousy, oh, faggot. Yeah. No, they did the, the hardcore full-on version. Now, the Good. entire church jumped yeah. up and they were dancing uh, up and down the aisles and clapping and roaring furiously. Now, if I die uh, and, and I decide to have a funeral and anyone actually attends it, I would like to think that it's a joyous event. But of course, people are kicking off about this, saying it was disrespectful, it was in bad taste, uh, it should never have been done. Why was this allowed to happen? What's your take on that? Okay, it's in a it's in a church, it's in a chapel, fair enough. Uh, and you would expect a certain level of reverence there, but surely part of the uh, job that you're doing as a, as a clergyman is to, to, to honor the person that you're sending off into the grave, to give an account of their life, and to let people leave with a little spring in their step rather than full of misery and doom and gloom. What's your take on it? Should they have done a, a, a roaring rendition of fairy tale in New York, complete with all the words in that chapel, or should they be nice and solemn and just sat in their little places and kept their mouths shut and just nodded and shed tears? What do you think about that one? Yeah. Yes, of course. I mean, that I like those New Orleans um, funerals where they they on the way to the church they're all somber and mm -hmm. playing the brass, and then on the way back, it just takes off, and you're you're celebrating someone's life, mm -hmm. and and if the person's always uh, created joyous, crazy. Um, you know energy then that's yeah. what you want to reflect that's a reflection mm -hmm. of the person isn't it i mean if they it were is. very somber and serious then you wouldn't yeah. want to do that in their funeral uh -huh. um did you yeah i'm did playing you, a funeral on, on wednesday actually yeah you're playing yeah. Uh, uh playing uh, some songs at a funeral yeah yeah there's okay. uh um uh, one of the poets he's a, lo a lovely guy paul um he was outside often outside the tate and doing sort of choosing poems for people he had a poetry hat and they'd come along and give him a bit of money and he he'd do a poem for them and his german wife uh, died recently and he's he's one of our poet um we do a poetry uh, event called talking rhythm in greenwich and uh, he was a regular at that or he is and his, his wife lovely woman yeah so she passed um a couple of weeks ago so yeah i'm going to be playing truth freedom justice love uh, uh funeral well right, this they, is another one of the wait. this is another one of these uh things that well i knew nothing about so i hadn't planned on talking about performing music at the funeral of shane mcgann and then you come out with a statement that you're actually performing <laughs> at a funeral uh coming up uh, over the next week or so so interesting that yeah. one isn't it but i, I have no yeah. problem with it myself you know i do believe that you know for those people that uh you know 
want to give their their friends or families one last send up i think it should be done in a memorable way but memorable for all the right reasons rather than it being a miserable and dour event if that's your thing and you want to be somber by all means but in the case uh, in point with you i have no doubt that you'll go down there and you'll play beautifully and you'll play respectfully and i have no doubt that it will minister to the people that are there and it will leave them uh, they will leave that event or they will leave mm. that remembrance service in a better condition than when they arrived, yeah. which I think is what it's yeah. is that not what human interaction is all about? Should your aim not be that when you meet someone in the flesh or you communicate someone or you come on TNT radio or I talk to you or people are listening in, should they not leave this session feeling a little bit more upbeat and better than they when they arrived? Otherwise, have we not just wasted our time? Hundred percent. I, I I did a, a eulogy for my friend Mark who who had a cafe in Camberwell and he was like the hub of the whole community and it was full of jokes because he was a funny guy and my thing was absolutely full of jokes and it was literally like pouring water onto a desert you could see he was really loved and you could see the people were desperate for the essence of the guy and they re really loved it um yeah of course and also they're still around you know yeah. uh, I I told you the story of uh, how my dad um, kind of indicated that when uh, the, um, the, after the he passed. Are the cars? Yeah, or yeah. The bulls? So my my mum went on a walking holiday, and the guy had the same name as my dad, and started telling my dad's jokes. <laughs> I mean, and no one else had told my dad's joke, and she's the hair on the back of her neck went up. Yeah, so they're still around. They'll they'll come and tell you in a something that comes over the radio or some mm -hmm. half-heard conversation you it all happens in bits and pieces there's all sorts of synchronicities that happen oh man there yeah. is uh let's yeah. talk a little bit more about that we've got to take a quick uh ad break can you believe it we're coming up to the last freaking 15 minutes issue i think something happens bill gates activates his time manipulation <laughs> machine when you come on the tnt and it just speeds uh, everything up uh, into double yeah. time so please listeners stay tuned i will be right back after these short ads for the end of the show here with trevor uh don't go away this is tnt radio give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg on uh, the latest leftist attacks against donald trump claim he's going to be a dictator in a second trump administration and chris wallace on cnn playing along uh put the question to Raihan Salam of National Review. So Raihan, is Donald Trump a dictator in waiting or is he just playing? Well, look, what he was saying in that moment is something very similar to what Barack Obama said back in 2014. At his first cabinet meeting, he said, I've got a pen and I've got a phone. And what he meant by that is that if Congress does not do what I want them to do, I can sign executive actions and I can use my phone to rally outside groups to create pressure on Congress to get things done. And this is what he was just referring to. I'm gonna be working with Congress where I can to accomplish this, but I'm also gonna act on my own uh, if uh, Congress is deadlocked. I've got a pen to take executive actions where Congress won't, and I've got a telephone to rally folks around the country uh, on this mission. Executive orders, rallying people via the, the phone, sounds a little dictatorial to me. Uh, context and perspective, they are fake news killers. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio Vision. Prescription drug pricing points to corporate... Freedom of the press is about your right to know. 
York sheer athleticism. It's about your right to be informed. Today, no. there are real threats to press freedom. And your right to know about the world around us. We must protect our right to know, no matter what kind of news is important to you. Before it's too late, understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, big apologies to everyone that's listening in the live chat. I haven't really acknowledged anyone this morning or got looking at the live chat. Uh, I'm multitasking. It's not my strong point, and I've got literally five screens in front of me. I'm staring at a little camera. I'm looking at a chat bar. I've got my phone in my hand. I'm trying to talk to Trev. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to dip into the live chat, but just a shout out. Uh, big thanks to everyone that's left messages in there. Just the bloke who asked questions is there. Holly's there. Hidden in plain sights there. Mazzy, of course, is there. Uh, Don no 29s there. Mali Bites is there. Uh, so many people leaving messages. Uh, thank you very much for all your input. And I know a lot of you communicate amongst each other too. Uh, meant to say at the top of the show, uh, Trevor, by the way, has a Telegram page. Uh, that you can look up, which is Random Human Music. So if you search for Random Human Music, uh, that's Trevor Jones' Telegram page. And of course, he has an Instagram page as well, where you can find some of his uploads, which is Trevor John Sings. And also, uh, he's on Spotify. So if you have the Spotify, Spotify platform, look up Trevor John, and he's uploaded all of his lovely uh, music on there too. So that's just a little plug for you too, because it's important for people, I think, to check out uh, who they're listening to, and also they maybe get turned on to your music and shared around with a few people and maybe give someone a lift. That's not a bad thing, is it? No, thanks. Thank you, Rick. Um, yeah, I usually uh, post your this um, the link to this conversation on there and with any links that we've spoken about. Mm -hmm. But as usual, I had a whole list of things to talk about and we haven't touched any of them. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, if you that want to happens. before the top of the hour, I, I also have a long list of stuff to talk about and we haven't touched on any of them either. You know, we just go with yeah. the flow here and we're trying to be spontaneous, exactly. but also keep things relevant and up to date. And listen, there's one thing there's no shortage of at the minute, Trevor, and that's things to talk about. So do you know what I'll do? I'll throw mm. it over to you. Uh, what What's on your mind or what do you want to talk about coming up to the end of the show here, just in the time that we have left? And we'll see where we go from there. What's on your mind? Well, um, yeah, I'm... I've been sort of looking at a few things on the void. I mean, I've started to read um, Dave McGowan's book, um, Weird Scenes in the Canyon, about all the, the rock stars and their links to the CIA and uh, all the goings on there. And, and that was kind of like a forerunner to, like, I think Mark Devlin was inspired by him. And that, that book came out in 2014, and then he was dead in 2015. So uh -huh. go figure. Yeah. Um, I think he must have been hitting some sore spots there. But oh, there's a very good, he he did a thing about the moon um, called Wagging the Moon Doggy. Um, and that's on the void. I'll stick a link onto that. And where he's, it's a collection of his blog posts. And he's talking about the ludicrousness of the moon and uh, the moon landings. And I particularly liked the, the outtakes where he was a, uh, he just couldn't stop himself from absolutely falling about laughing at the ludicrousness of some of the claims. So wagging the moon doggy is a, is a very good one. I'll stick you're, a link onto my 
Yeah. Your your friend, by the way, uh, this is uh, this gets you massive. This got you huge brownie points with my daughter. My daughter is a massive Stanley Kubrick fan, and oh. of course, uh, Kubrick was uh, linked in with uh, the moon landing fakings allegedly. And of course, she used to be in a band, I believe, with his daughter. Is that not correct? So yeah. this ties everything yeah, in beautifully together as well with the Stanley Kubrick uh, fake moon landing thing. It's all coming together this morning in TNT, isn't it? Yeah. Oh well, the other the other really good thing is there's a there's a documentary called i think 237 which mm -hmm. is uh or room 237 that that's on the void as well about uh it's an analysis and i hadn't realized i knew that the um the shining was a kind of uh part admission mm -hmm. that he made the that film and also although vivian i've heard her deny it but um i mean i think it's kind of undeniable and um yeah but i hadn't realized that also linked in with that is the um uh, the kind of subliminal he he talked a load of advertisers about um how they subliminally put images in and he, all the way through the shining are subliminal images mm -hmm. of all kinds of things and and also there's his it, within the the script is his admission to his wife or when his wife found out what he'd done and his reaction to that and how he was justifying it, um, talking about contracts and what he had to do. And there's also uh, another subtext about genocide. I mean, ostensibly about the Native American Indians, but, mm -hmm. but you know, genocide is kind of relevant now, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot in that. Uh, can it, I just add... Can I just backpedal a little in case uh, oh. I don't get to ask you this? Because uh, go back. Let's go back to that book that you're reading. That uh, weird scenes in the canyon about Laurel Canyon, about uh, yeah. bands coming out of uh, you know Los Angeles and various places that you know their parents were linked in with the CIA. One of which, in particular, I hear a lot about is uh, Jim Morrison. So his dad uh, was the head of a, a battleship that was involved in the Gulf of. Honking incident, I believe people yeah. think that Morrison was some kind of a you know FBI agent. But if you actually, I've I've watched so many uh, interviews recently uh, with uh, Ray Mansrek and uh, 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 John Densmore and Robbie Krieger and people that grew up with Morrison and actually his dad, they were they were completely estranged um, from each other. Morrison was completely estranged from his whole family. In fact, when he first became a, a musician and was asked in interviews, can you tell us about your family? He would have said, they're dead. He was completely estranged and they, he died without them ever reconciling together. Another one was Frank Zappa. Uh, Zappa, uh, his father, I believe, was involved in the American government's uh, you know testing of chemical weapons and one thing and another. And Zappa was actually experimented on himself. They used to put uh, plutonium pellets up his nose and different things like that. He has said many, many times in interviews, and he died at a reasonably young age with really, really bad yeah. uh, cancer as well. So I know there are links between various uh, rock stars and you know uh, the Illuminati and people that were doing bad things for the American government. But I also do believe, literally having done a lot of listening to people, I really do believe that uh, Morrison had no connection at all with his mother, father and sisters at his time of death and hadn't for a very, very long time before he died, even though the link was actually there. Well, wasn't Ray Manzanaric himself linked to the intelligence services? I, I don't know. I haven't went that far into it, uh, but I'm just listening to him talking in relation yeah. to uh, Morrison's relationship with his own father, yeah. for example. And even if you listen, in fact, it's worth listening to. Go back and listen to Morrison's dad 
talking about mm. wasn't it so uncomfortable uh, because he knew mm. absolutely really nothing about him he was no appreciator of his music you can you know the way you can just tell if someone's bullshitting you or not well you can just tell that there definitely was no love lost between the father and the son in that relationship and yeah. you know, he's, he doesn't give a damn that his son died at allegedly at 27 in a Paris apartment, or he didn't give a damn about his musical legacy. It's an interesting one. So I know there are connections there. And I know I have yeah. spoke to Mark Devlin as well. I know you're a big fan of his too. In <clears> fact, <throat> you connected us together and he's written incredible mm. books in this subject. So it's a very deep one, isn't it? Uh, the connection between what's happening in the world and the movers and the shakers and some shady stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, I would question whether you can trust what these people say. I mean, I mean, look at yeah. someone like Russell Brand. Yeah. He seems to be saying all the right things. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we all know that uh, he's another Lord Haw Haw. He won't yeah. be coming to the. Uh, he won't be coming to uh, the Trevor John uh, annual Christmas <laughs> and marshmallow toasting bash in the uh, forest this year, will he? No, you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to shout out. I've been. I've been uh, quite active on Abby um, Roberts's uh, Telegram. Mm -hmm. So comedian, very talented, mm -hmm. but really funny woman, and. Um, I liked her take on um, Dellingpole did a um, a chat with David Icke, mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, whatever you think about, there's a whole this whole Christianity versus um, uh, Gnosticism kind of debate going on, and whatever you think about that, I I thought that David Icke um, deserved some respect because he's been out there plowing a lone furrow for a long time and whatever you think about him. And I felt like he was treated quite disrespectfully. And, and Abby mm. Daly, Ab Abby uh, Roberts initially kind of joined in and then did a podcast where, where she actually kind of apologised and, and actually did the work on herself and said, yeah, no, I shouldn't have done that. And he, he did deserve some respect. And, and I thought that was very good. And, and it's nice to see someone do the work, you know, look at their own shadow and, and come back from that. And uh, so, yeah, I've been following her and it's a, it's a really good, fun channel. So uh, I'd like to give a shout out because I did mention I was coming on here. Um, so if anyone from there is listening, hello. Great. And that's a show. And I think Abby's been on with uh, Dee Dee Denslow, Darren Denslow a few mm. times. And she has a Substack page, I think it is. Is it, It's Abby Roberts, A-B-I Roberts at Substack. Uh, dot com or whatever the Substack address is for anybody that uses that medium. Is that the best place to uh, hook up with those podcasts? Yeah, and, and she's got a yeah uh, a Telegram channel, so that's a good place same, to get involved just in. Just the same name, Abby, Abby Roberts, Roberts, Abby yeah, I yeah. Roberts, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go, yeah, people. Yeah. If you if you're not familiar with Abby, uh, jump on Telegram or jump onto Substack and check out Abby Roberts. Uh, I know Darren uh, speaks very very highly of her. I'm not so familiar with her output at the minute, but yeah, it's it's yeah. also good. Listen. We, we shouldn't be completely rigid in our views and stances about anything. And sometimes, you know, we all yeah. get it wrong about people. We, we we think good people are bad, and sometimes we think bad people are good. But, it, it, you know, it's a sign of maturity and it's a sign of wisdom and growth when we actually can't say, you know what, I'm not going to be dogmatic about this position. I actually did get this wrong. I hold my hands up yeah. uh, and my opinion has changed. But listen, that shouldn't make people fall out, should it? A lot of people are falling no. out about stupid no, stuff no. at the minute. And even if you come on here and fundamentally oppose everything that I believe in, you know, spiritually or materially or my, my point, like, I'm not going to fall out with you about it because I like talking to you. And, you know, if everybody yeah. thought like you or everybody thought like me, what a bloody uh, 
horrible uh-huh. hellish place the world would actually be. Can you imagine? Everybody would be talking about horse chestnut trees and uh, Torquay tor- palm trees and, uh, you know, uh, Jim Morrison and Ray Manzarek. Uh, nobody wants to hear that, but you and I like talking about it, damn it. And I know some of the people do. Uh, in our live chat as well. Listen, we're up to time here. We're just getting warmed up as usual. We're just getting warmed up. But we've got to call it because we will be literally booted off by our lovely studio people if we don't shuffle off to the side and make room for the man, the machine that is uh, James Freeman. All that remains for me to say is massive TNT salute to you, Trevor. Uh, Thank you so much for all your input in 2023. Season's bleatings. Seasons bleedings to you too, my friend, yeah. and have a wonderful break. And we'll contact each other again uh, at the start yeah. of next year. That's the wonderful Trevor John. Thanks to all the guys in the studio for making the magic happen again this week. And of course, all you lovely listeners, please stay tuned for more here throughout the course of the day and over the weekend on TNT. And I'll be back on Monday, all being well, with more magic on the one and only TNT. <laughs>